Hi everyone, welcome to the Smallville Sessions. My name is Vivek and I'm going to be your host as we do some commentary on the second episode of Smallville, the episode's titled Metamorphosis. We have only got one episode in the bag right now and that was the pilot episode. It was my first podcast that I've ever recorded and it showed. <laughs> I definitely stumbled quite a bit over my words. I felt the need to talk out every action that the characters were doing and I really should have been doing that. I should have let more dead space kind of sit there. I shouldn't have been trying to connect all my thoughts with and and um and so. So <laughs> we're going to do better this time. And if you've made it to this second episode, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for working with me through the kinks. I won't say that this episode's going to be perfect, but it should be better than the one before it. Before we dive into the episode, I'll remind everyone that you can follow us on Twitter at SmallvillePod. You can also email me with your comments and feedback at smallvillesessions at gmail.com. Hopefully we'll be able to kind of get the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Right now it's on SoundCloud. And uh, please, please work with us in trying to disseminate this podcast. Please share the word. Really excited about it. And let's just dive into the next episode. Metamorphosis kind of picks up exactly where the last scene of the Smallville pilot ends. It seems like there's they were kind of envisioned as a two-parter. I know in certain countries they also released the pilot and the second episode as a Smallville movie that was about 90 minutes. You can really see why because it kind of blends through. When when this when this episode was televised, really the only thing that came before it was a sort of before like previously on Smallville and they kind of summarized stuff that happened in the pilot episode and you the last Part of that summary snippet is that scene with Clark looking upon Lana as she's dropped off back from homecoming. And then it kind of pans to the sky. And the next episode kind of transitions where it circulates around the sky and then pans back down to the antagonist of this particular episode. Yeah, it's right outside Lana Lang's home or Aunt Nell, her aunt, that's where she's staying, um, that we end up getting introduced to the freak of the week of this episode. Uh, his name's Greg, and he's a stalker. He's he's not as stalker stalkerific as Clark was in pi the pilot episode. He... Uh, he has a different way that he approaches it that just comes off way more creepier. And um, one of the first things he does is he kind of gives Lana a present. And then he kind of hangs out on a tree branch and watches her open it. Inside the present that he's given her, it's um, a bunch of butterflies. So this character is definitely uh, a sort of insect enthusiast he's 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 also videotaping Lana which 
you know, Clark was looking at her through his telescope, but he wasn't recording her. But he's he's got some video of Lana, and now he's kind of on his way. You know, it for for this conceit of kryptonite affecting particular people, it it seems a little I don't know problematic for in terms of creating antagonists for him, but. I think the producers said it best, which is you don't want to see an episode where Clark is just rolling, you know, pulling up and moving bales of hay. Uh, you want real villains with powers for him to go up against. So while Smallville was able to create some villains that had motives and powers from other origins, a lot of the Smallville villains had their powers come from kryptonite. We kind of see this um, this character, Greg, who's the student who was stalking Lana a little bit. He is being told off by his mum because his mum has caught these videos of, that he's taken. He's taken a couple of videos of Lana. This wasn't the first instance. And he she's kind of embarrassed by his behaviour and she's really telling him off. <laughs> this uh, the actor playing Greg. They've really done him up to kind of. He's a he's a he's a decent, good-looking actor, and they have to have him play a nerd. So they've got some kind of acne over him and kind of long, greasy-looking hair. It's um, I don't know. You know that when his evolution occurs, it's you know he's going to end up looking like a good, good-looking person. Like that's going to be one of the side effects. It's kind of like um, that Killian character in Iron Man Three. He's he's super nerdy and um, he's got really obnoxious kind of characteristics that all kind of get dealt with once a transformation occurs. So the kryptonite and its impact on on different people seems to also come from their kind of personality and character traits. This this uh, student really likes insects. He's he's always around them. So what they do here is they have insects that have been kind of toxified by kryptonite, and they're essentially let they're let loose and they start attacking him. He's, he's really in a situation where he's lost control, he's, he's causing an accident, and you know, as, as the sort of shot pans away, you're left to assume this guy's gonna die, but obviously you can't die this early in. <laughs> but this is kind of the opening teaser, and it's, it's kind of hinting that these insects that have attacked Greg, um, you know, they haven't completely killed him that he's, he's probably up to no good now. Yeah, Greg's mum's been looking out, trying to figure out where he is. He's not in his room, but then there's the reveal. Oh, God, that look, looks disgusting. Yeah, they, they've given him, like, the fly treatment in David Cronenberg, and uh, he's like Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Okay, so now we have the opening credits to Smallville. The pilot didn't have opening credits, but, you know, the, we get to see the Remy Zero song, Somebody Save Me. It's at the beginning of this podcast. It's, it's a very known song that 
always continued in the opening credits uh, for the entire course of the series. The way that they presented these opening credits, the structure was kind of set the same until around season four, season five, where they kind of did a bit of a different take on it. But here it's just kind of taking scenes from the show and then merging them with the characters' names. Pretty standard stuff. Okay, so now we get this shot of a sort of bird's eye view across Smallville almost like the person who's experiencing it is flying. Now, any Superman fan sees this and is is super excited and like, oh my God, are they gonna show him fly this early on? <laughs> Little did we know that wasn't gonna be the case at all, but here he is kind of, um, you know, f well, actually this might have been him flying. Maybe that's what they're suggesting with this shot. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's flown. He's technically been flying. This might be a dream sequence, but it, he's like flown all the way into Lana's bedroom and she she looks really confused. He wakes up, he falls on his bed. So I think it's it's suggested that he was kind of floating above his bed, which is kind of strange. And then he had a dream where he was actually flying over Smallville and into Lana's bedroom. And this is uh, more sort of uh, the sort of small town kind of visuals that you'd expect out of a town like Smallville. Um, he's at a sort of festival, a fair type thing, and um, a county fair. And here he is with, you know, kind of repping the fair with his family and he runs into Lana and Whitney. Whitney and Clark have some tension at this point because in the previous episode Whitney and his mates strung him up in a cornfield and left him for dead which you know is going to cause some friction. Whitney's going to try to approach Clark and you know try to make it seem like it was all just a big joke. Clark doesn't seem to want to kind of engage at this point. I wouldn't blame him. It's a pretty traumatic thing that these guys did. Both, it's a tradition that happened to that one character in the very beginning, and then that one student, and then they did it to Clark. And good on Clark for just giving Whitney the cold shoulder. All right, so this Greg guy, as, as expected, he looks great now. He's had his sort of bug transformation where he got bit by kryptonite bugs and now he's 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 looking good, he's in great shape, the acne's cleared up. So he, he's on top of the world in a way. <laughs> he's approaching Lana, so he, he feels very confident. And um, she's, she's, you know, she's being very friendly to him. I'd say early on, the way they characterize Lana is just very super cool and friendly and fun. Yeah, she had a boyfriend, and yeah, Whitney had to always be kind of on guard that every dude in Smallville would be trying to hit on his girlfriend. But, you know, it happens. And um, here's a bit of a confrontation, Whitney, with Greg. Now he's threatening Greg. In the previous episode, he was threatening and kind of attacked Clark. 
difference is here, uh, Greg is going to be coming at Whitney pretty hard. He, he sees him as a real threat in trying to get to Lana. So he's got something up his sleeve. And the shot of Clark watching Lana kiss Whitney. Um, but it, it, Lex shows up out of nowhere. Um, he's at this festival now. And um, he's confronting Clark about, you know, what happened in that cornfield. He was strung up. That's really, that's really messed up. And uh, Clark's just like trying to play it cool, not trying to make a big deal out of it. See Les Lex trying to be cordial with Jonathan Kent. Jonathan Kent isn't just like spitting in Lex's face every time he sees him, but he's definitely not hanging around for any long conversations. I love that. Lex just tossing an apple. Okay, now we got Whitney just driving minding his own business but we see Greg who now has some sort of like definitely some sort of bug like powers he's crawling up a tree and we see him go after the pickup truck and he's it's basically on top of the pickup truck that Whitney's driving and he flips it the special effects um, stunt perspective this is not super impressive but you know they're on a TV budget, and the budget comes down pretty substantially when you go from the pilot episode to the second episode and the rest of the episodes afterwards. So Clark and his family come onto the scene right as the pickup truck blows up, and Clark protects Whitney as fire engulfs both of them. And Martha and Jonathan not really sure what impact fire will have on Clark but they get to see that it really doesn't have an impact this is really cool the way they've got the steam coming off of Clark's jacket and it's it's just a great great sequence and his parents kind of just be like wow that was that's really impressive that's that's really great but he's okay Tom and Tom Welling is, uh, you know, he's gotten a bit of a haircut here. <laughs> and he he looks a little older than he did in the pilot episode. He's supposed to play a freshman in a high school. And so there's a bit of a sort of 90210 casting syndrome here. Where you've got people in their mid to late 20s playing high schoolers. Um, but he is playing Clark Kent slash Superman. So you can assume Clark was pretty bulky and pretty strong and pretty older looking even freshman year i really like these conversations where jonathan and clark could you know talk one to one and comfortably and discuss what's going on with clark they've now hit a new threshold when he's when he's sort of you know saving people and impervious to flames and fire Clark is also telling Jonathan that, look, I, I was almost kind of floating as well this morning. It's, it's really crazy. What It's, you know, this whole puberty with superpowers thing, it, it really makes sense, that approach to sort of discovery, self-discovery. We see Lex in his uh, mansion now. This is the first, not the first, the second time the mansion has really kind of been showcased. 
this is the same mansion they use for the X-Men films and usually it's Xavier and Wolverine walking about this mansion this uh, really great shot of Canadian farmland is um, Kristen Kruk's character Lana Lang is galloping on her horse pretty obvious shot of a stunt double there for a second but she did definitely ride as well sort of first um, Lex meeting Lana for the first time and uh, I like the way that you know they didn't immediately try to suggest that there's some sort of romantic crush that Lex has on Lana or anything here it's more of an interaction similar to how Lex met Jonathan and others sort of members of Smallville in terms of how people have preconceived notions about Lex so they're kind of approaching him from a, a, a tense perspective Lana actually has has an experience where she caught Lex with another woman in a swimming pool naked so you know he's she's immediately got an insight of what he was more like in his wilder days so she's viewing him through that lens this is a, a scene where Lex gets to Lex was able to get Lana's uh, necklace uh, because of the whole stringing up Clark in a cornfield episode last last time and so now he has the necklace and he's able to see that it actually belongs to Lana because it's it's seen in one of the pictures next to her medals and trophies. He doesn't immediately give it to her or anything. He just, <laughs> he keeps it as a gambit, which again tells you a lot about Lex at this point. he's He keeps his cards close to his chest. He likes to see things play out before he makes things known and he's also tipping Lana off into the idea that Whitney was probably up to no good and causing issues I think he wants to kind of repay, repay Clark and try to get Lana for Clark so he's making Whitney look rightly so like the dodgy dude he was during the last episode So our villain in this episode, Greg, he's kind of going full insect-beast hybrid. He's creating spider webs and nests and he's scaring his mum and crawling about. He's really unnerving his mum. And I think this was a really kind of good actor who got to play the character of Greg. He I've seen him in a couple of other episodes of a few TV shows and he's also been doing some advertising work. But yeah, he's he was a kind of a memorable villain because even though he was built on this freak of the week conceit, he was uh, aggressive and intimidating and they gave him this sort of power that wasn't the electric based power. It's like he can completely you know smother someone with webbing and it's it's he's just kind of like a gross dude right, we get to see Clark and Lex here being uh, you know they're not talking too much about the accident now so they're more just like hanging out like friends which is really great they're 
looking at one of Lex's presents where, you know, uh, they, it's like the sort of Helen of Troy, the Trojan War type thing. It's a model and it can give insights to Lex about strategy. So Lex is, you know, telling Clark, this is the sort of stuff that my dad gives me strategy stuff which is you know it is what it is they're also getting to commiserate a little bit about how Whitney's idolized in the town and how he has Lana how that's kind of a problem for Clark ah see this is this, I'm remembering all this now so Lex actually kept the Lana necklace so that Clark could give it back to Lana the uh, the kryptonite necklace so Lex currently has it encased in a lead box and Clark's already getting weak as he opens it. It's a cool box. <laughs> See, this is great mythos stuff that they establish really easily off the cuff. You know, armor made of St. George, it's lead. Lead protects kryptonite from Superman. So slowly they kind of break that down. So now Clark has rejected yet another gift that Lex is providing. He's saying, take this, give it to Lana, you'll look like a hero. You know, why are you why why is there any discussion about this? Just do it. Clark kind of sees his point, rolls with it. Now we got Lana confronting Whitney. Where were you before the game? And Whitney's now going to have to answer for doing this whole scarecrow thing. She also asks him for his neck for the necklace back that she had given him as a sort of lucky charm. Whitney obviously, idiotically, put it on Clark's neck, and he didn't think like I'm going to need to get this back and give it to Lana. So it's like she's rightly so incredibly annoyed with him. Greg is um, Greg is being a bit aggressive as he tries to um, hang out with Lana and she's like I can't hang out right now so he's he's getting very creepy he's being aggressive and uh, Lana understandably has to extricate herself from the situation this is a great great shot just Clark experimenting with the power of kryptonite and he's getting to see in a sort of controlled environment how deadly kryptonite can be for him it, and the effect is actually really good as well they kind of show that it it really makes his hands turn kind of gray and and he, he becomes very veiny it, it, it doesn't look like good news Lana is in Clark's barn this time, and it's not a dream sequence. Ah, <laughs> Lana, Lana really compliments the barn, and then Clark said that his dad built it and called it Clark's Fortress of Solitude. That's kind of perfect. <laughs> I love that Lana's trying to look in through Clark's telescope Clark's having to move it so that she doesn't realise it has a direct view right into her bedroom. Uh, it's a little awkward. And um, 
and I was like, kind of. I, I think this is great because, again, this is a scene where Lana and Clark can have a heart to heart. You get to see Lana's heart as a person. She's very empathetic. She she does feel really upset that her boyfriend caused a lot of grief to Clark, and uh, she feels really bad about it. You know, in a way, Lex Lex was also the one who kind of helped Lana understand that it was Clark who that this this whole scarecrow prank was done to. So again, making Lex look like you know a good wingman for Clark. This is great. What the earlier episodes did and just I mean this is Lex scheming but scheming in a good way Lana is like I don't have my necklace it's a problem it killed my parents it has a lot of sentimental value to it Clark has it in that lead box ready to give to her and he could he could be a paint a hero by doing that for her but He's also having to be careful with it and he has to manage the presence of this rock because it is fatal to him. Oh, this is gross. I remember this scene from years ago. Just, I get that he's like a human bug now. He's like the fly. But this visual effect where he's peeling off his skin in the shower. I mean, kudos to them that it looks so convincing, but it is absolutely disgusting. It's it's just super gross. Jonathan, they're doing farmhand work. It's, it's also cool they, they get to show Clark being really helpful on the farm. It's a perk that with having superpowers. Out of nowhere we got Greg who attacks Clark in the barn. Lana mentioned that she had to hang out with Clark for a bit. That put a, Clark, a target on Clark's back. So he came down from the rafters and just went ballistic. That's probably one of the worst attacks I've ever seen. He just kind of pushed Clark down and then just disappeared back into the darkness. I mean, I know he didn't think Clark had superpowers, so maybe he thought that would be enough. But I just didn't think it was the best way to handle this scene. The thing with these earlier episodes, they weren't really clarifying how Clark's powers where their limits were and they weren't really introducing new powers either so they had to do their best with using having him use his super speed and try to make that look interesting so here Clark kind of was able to save Jonathan from falling because Greg pushed him over the edge in the barn but I think overall the influence of bullet time and the Matrix was pretty apparent here. Annette O'Toole getting to do some good supporting work here, really showing a lot of concern for what Clark and Jonathan just went through because 
you know, it, it's an action TV show, so seeing someone in peril isn't, you know, that hard to believe when you're watching, but you, you've got to imagine how the characters are feeling. You know, they're a small, on a small farm, uh, they're a family trying to keep a low profile, and now all of a sudden they're being attacked and, you know, there's supernatural in, elements involved, so all of these things are of great concern. So, I mean, the, the, the bigger point of some of these earlier episodes, uh, especially this one, is to establish how the family unit interacts when they come across these sorts of uh, villains that are kryptonite influenced. The villains aren't super interesting themselves at this point. I'd say right now they're just working on developing Lex and try to see if, you know, where is any sort of deceitful, uh, kind of insidious behavior from him developing from. But other sort of foes that Clark goes up against, they don't have a whole lot of depth to them. But the level of interaction that it communicates from the rest of the family, how they're interacting, how they're dealing with all this, really, you know, helps establish what a great support unit Clark has. And it allows him to grow and, you know, deal with these threats in a better way because his parents have taught him how to handle this sort of stuff. To the same extent, just like we have this, the family storylines really developing and showing strong characterizations, when we see villains that Clark's going up against, um, he's not going up against them alone. Now, Flash and Arrow and TV shows like that have shown that it's not just the hero who's going after them. They have a support unit. They have friends and relatives who are able to kind of crack the case with them and figure out how to solve the issue. So Clark essentially is one of the first sort of heroes to do this on Smallville. He really gets his friends involved. You get to see how his friends think and they are essentially on the ride in sort of this sort of hardy boy sort of nancy drew type of uh you know kind of trying to figure out mystery why did this student become a violent person uh, what's the deeper story behind there and it's interesting when they do it in these earlier episodes because they don't quite really understand everything's at play whenever when you get to some of the latter episodes, they just sort of assume that it's got to be kryptonite. Kryptonite's probably making this person lash out. Meteor rocks, as they, as they kind of phrase it. But again, like, the, the bigger piece around Chloe is that she's, at this point, a really smart, really good friend who's helping Clark figure this out and understand what he could be doing to try to be proactive in this situation. Does he want to just have the Kryptonian villain attack him again or his friends? So Pete and Chloe are able to get him thinking about what this person's next move might be and that's what you kind of get to see at this point in the episode. These episodes are like comfort food. There's a lot of 
comic humour that Pete provides, uh, a lot of great banter. Additionally, you get to see Clark's slooping skills, how they're developing. As he gets powers like X-ray vision and super hearing, you realise that he can be as great of a detective as Batman and Sherlock Holmes because he's able to just see things and pick up on things that other people can't. But at this point, he's kind of on the same level as Chloe and Pete from a powers of observation standpoint. Looks like Clark is discovering Greg's dead mother. That's, um, that's a bad dummy. <laughs> it looked pretty obvious. See Lana on the farm uh, by uh, feeding the horses. I never, I don't think we got to see too much of her on horses during the later seasons. I think they, that's very much a staple of the early Smallville, uh, her being by the barn. Additionally, we're getting to see Whitney kind of come clean about how badly he treated Clark. He's giving a pretty heartfelt apology to Lana. It it comes off as genuine. It doesn't look like he's just um, saying it because that's something she wants to hear, but because he really feels bad about what he did, which speaks to, you know, the development you need for a character like Whitney. You can't have him be a complete uh, ignoramus throughout the entire course of the season. You can't have him consistently evil, especially with the stuff they had planned for this character, the art they wanted to give him, it made sense that he would, uh, they would start to make him look like a better guy, um, a more fully fleshed character. Here he's serving as a bit of a plot device for Clark, kind of giving Clark a sense of what's going on now, that even though Clark tried to get ahead of this Greg problem, Greg is now infatuated with Lana, so he's kidnapped her. So it's, it, you know, it's obviously a real problem and Clark's gonna have to deal with it. So now we get to see Clark rushing off to see where um, Greg has taken Lana. And they, we're gonna get a confrontation now. We're gonna get Clark go up against his second kryptonite enabled foe. I'm going to say the fights here are kind of, uh, they're not very sophisticated. It's kind of reminiscent in some ways, maybe because of the sort of small farm setting, like Walker, Texas Ranger, you know, and I, I know that they have, you know, a limited budget at this point, but it's it's still tricky to see what they can convincingly do. Here they kind of focus on, okay, well, this guy's got some sort of bug strength, level strength, so that's where he's gonna engage with Clark on. And we're gonna have the place that they're fighting completely surrounded by meteor rocks, so that's gonna put Clark as a disadvantage. And that allows a lot of the effects which involve wire work where Greg is just essentially throwing Clark around this barn. Again, not not a great use of Greg's powers where he should be looking to really 
don't know, kill Clark or really maim him in a way, but he's just kind of throwing him about left and right, and Clark's just stumbling around. It's not a super exciting fight to watch. I don't remember being completely enthralled by it when I first saw it, but um, here it's it's especially you know kind of boring. And then we get a callback. Uh, if you remember earlier, Lex kind of established to Clark that lead can make the meteor rocks, you know, wipe them, zap them of their powers. So Clark within this area has also discovered. Um, that this area of the place where they're fighting, he's discovered that there's lead around. So he can use lead to protect himself and rehabilitate himself so that he can fight Greg. Now, as you, you might have remembered me saying this in the last episode, but when Clark goes up against villains, it's really tricky for them to establish that the villain would recognize that Clark has some sort of power and then would probably out Clark as being a superpowered person. So they end up having to deal with these sorts of villains in really bizarre ways. Sometimes they have to flat out kill them, which isn't so bizarre, but then in other times they have to have them knock their heads so that they lose their memory. In this case with Greg, Greg's inadvertently just pulls down on a rope that kind of squashes him, no pun intended, but then he like turns into a bunch of bugs and just disappears off. It's uh, a little strange. And uh, so we get to see Clark save the day, but then he gets to see Whitney console Lana because Whitney's made it to the scene as well. So, I don't know, he still saved Lana, but he feels a little, I don't know, defeated nevertheless. Now this is a good scene to cap off the episode with. Clark looks at the kryptonite necklace that Lex gave him that belongs to Lana. He mulls over his decision a little bit on what to do with it, but then he ultimately decides, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to Lana. I'm gonna give it back to her. It means a lot to her. That may end up with, you know, that may mean her wearing it in public again, which will be a problem for me later on, but at least she'll have it, and I'll feel like, you know, she'll be a bit happy, which will make me happy. So he sees that and kind of just walks off um, into the night. Another sort of pan up to the night sky, kind of like the pilot episode did. In a way, this episode sort of reestablishes thing the things that the pilot did. It kind of assumes that maybe the people tuning in on this week on this episode may have not seen the pilot and so you don't really want to go too deep into the A storyline without people completely understanding and getting a sense of their bearings. So by doing this they kind of essentially have a little mini pilot take two in a way. They're able to still kind of fully set up and reinforce the rules of the show and that's, uh, you know, you can understand why they do that from a business sense, but I think there was enough progression here where even if you tuned into the pilot episode, there's new stuff here for you to look at and enjoy. Overall, not, a, not, a, not too bad for our second episode. 
As I said, uh, we are pretty new at this here at the Small Mill Sessions, so we're progressing as best as we can. Thanks very much for tuning in. Our next episode will be, what will it be? Episode three. Oh, let me see if I can find the name here. Ah, it's called Hothead. Hothead. So tune in for that episode next week. Thanks very much for joining us for this one. And please follow us on Twitter at SmallvillePod. You can also check out our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com forward slash smallville-sessions. Also feel free to email me comments or feedback at smallvillesessions at gmail.com. Have a great week.